have you ever watched somebody give a book report on a book that they haven't read? That's literally what like, the announcements are at this church. That's how bad they are. I'm like, I'm so sorry that you have to endure those on a weekly basis because they are brutal. Anyway, everybody, we are um, excited that you are here today. Uh, my name's Adam. I'm the lead communicator here at Downtown Harbor Church, and we are smack dab in the middle of a four-week series, which has been really exciting for us to kind of be able to deliver this content because the series is called It's Not In There. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been taking a look at things that we've heard are in the ancient scripture, or at least you've probably been told at some level they're in the ancient scripture, but at the end of the day, they're really not in there. Two weeks ago, we talked about don't drink. You've heard that a lot, but it can't be found anywhere in the scripture. The other one that we talked about last week was God won't give you more than you can handle. Not in there. But what we've been doing is taking a look at those things that aren't in there and then actually looking at what is in there and what it actually says. And this one today, I have to tell you, is one of my favorite ones that I've been able to research and kind of unpack and, and, and dive deep in. And here it is, just so you can see it. God helps those who help themselves, okay? Now, I got to tell you, I looked everywhere and couldn't find these exact words, but then something happened yesterday morning, which made me want to just redo the entire message. Like, I got a text from a friend who said to me that Khloe Kardashian had put something on her Facebook feed that was like this. It was this saying, or it was Instagram. This was the title of it. And I was like, if the Kardashians say it, it must be true, right? So like, I went back and looked again. Guess what? It's basically this, Hezekiah 12.4. Let me tell you something about this verse. It doesn't exist either because the book of Hezekiah is not a book in the scripture. Here's what it is. It's not in there. That phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is not in there. I looked, and we've all heard it, specifically if you've been around the church for any length of time or you've interacted with Christians on any, on any level, specifically Christians who kind of you know, beat their chest and think that they're self-righteous. They like to throw phrases like this around, God helps those who help themselves. Really? But as we've kind of looked at what isn't in there, we wanted to find out, hey, where did this saying come from? We've heard it so often, and it's there, and it's kind of out there, and we, you've heard it, and it's been published, and people have, you know, talked about it in media, and all. Where did it come from? So I really wanted to take a look at where it came from, and it was so interesting to discover where this phrase actually came from. It came from Aesop's fable. Hercules and the Wagoner. This is the first place that you can find this saying. And let me tell you about this fable because I read it. And if you have some time this week, you might just Google it real quick. It's a quick read. It's, you know, not more than a paragraph. But in this fable, the Wagoner, what happens is, is he is taking his wagon through like some uh, treacherous situations and it gets caught in mud. Right? And he prays to the god Hercules and asked him to be able to move his wagon or take his wagon out of the mud. And Hercules replied with, put your shoulder into it and do it yourself. So the moral of the fable was, God helps those who help themselves. That's the first place that you can actually find that phrase in recorded history. However, it is more famously known when said by Ben Franklin in Poor Richard's Almanac, which was written in 1757. Okay? 
These are the places where we can find God helps those who help themselves written most often and most mainstream. And it's important for us to realize that where, they, where it came from because so often people will just tell you that phrase is in the scripture, that phrase is in the Bible. But what we've said is it's not in there. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this phrase though. See, the last two phrases that we talked about that don't drink and God won't give you more than you can handle, I don't like those phrases. I didn't like those because they weren't true and they weren't in there and I, I, I didn't understand why and I didn't like those. This one, this one I like. Really? You like this phrase? Yeah, I like this phrase. And even though it's not in there, you can still take some things that the scripture says and understand how someone would derive this phrase from what is actually in the scripture. So today, I'm going to spend the day talking about what it actually says and how people have derived that phrase from what it says. And the reason that we do that is because we want to kind of see where the history lines up there. Because in this phrase, you can talk about something, and it kind of brings something to the surface, which I think is so important for us to talk about as people who are coming to Downtown Harbor Church and kind of where you're at related to this topic. And this is just such a big deal now that I've kind of set it up. So this is what I want to talk about related to that phrase and what the Scripture actually says today. I want to talk about laziness. I want to talk about laziness and what that looks like in our lives because it actually has a ton to say about laziness. And I'll be the first to admit, I love being lazy and sitting around. Is there anything better than sitting on a big comfy couch binge watching Netflix, right? If you have any kind of history with television and you're probably over the age of, you know, 25, you remember the show 24 when it was on. And you remember how exciting it was to watch that. Maybe you didn't watch it, but it was one of my favorites. And we would literally watch it for like two days straight. And I have to tell you something, I felt like a sloth afterward just because like, I was just so lazy, but it felt good just to do that. But laziness is out there. And more specifically, laziness is out there in culture and the church. Don't miss that. I'm going to talk about laziness from two perspectives today. I'm going to talk about it from a cultural perspective, and then I'm going to talk about it related to the church, because it's so important for us to, us to understand both of those, because even if the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is not word for word in the scripture, there are some things that would lead us to an indication that that actually could be true in our lives. So I want to take a look and what the scripture says about laziness, specifically as it relates to culture as we kind of dive in. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, and I love the language in this passage. It's so fun to watch all the crazy language that's in here. But, but you, lazy bones, okay? How long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then Poverty, it's a powerful word. Poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. It says when you are lazy, when you do not contribute, when you are worried about only relaxation and luxury in your life, eventually, look at what will happen. 
Poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. That is a big deal. It's a big passage. And in Proverbs, this ancient book of wisdom that we talked about uh, once we, when we started Downtown Harbor, we did a whole series on the book of Proverbs. This is so uh, good, and we need to know exactly what that says related to laziness. But it goes on. Proverbs 10.4. Slack hand causes poverty. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. Makes rich. Second Thessalonians 3.10. And this one is a little bit tricky for me because I have to be honest with you. I don't know that I necessarily even like this one. But at Downtown Harbor Church, we're trying to look at what it actually says in there for the first time in a long time, we feel like. And so this is an important verse to understand. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let them not eat. I like that because I want to feed people and have people have food and they can, you know, be full and that way they're not starving. But, but this is the truth. And it says this, if you are not willing to work, then you're not going to eat. And so laziness has kind of crept into culture in an exponential way. And maybe some of us have even dealt with that at our own level about how lazy we are. And don't, don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about having a lazy day every now and then. You should have lazy days. It's good to rest and relax. I like to do it. Not as often as I probably should, but I like to do it. But you need to understand that laziness has kind of run rampant in the modern world, and the scripture has a lot to say about that. Laziness is a topic that is in there a lot, and that's why we're looking at it today. So, as always, here at DHC, we like to look. Whenever we kind of go after a controversial topic or something that we're picking apart, we like to go at it and look, okay, well, what did Jesus say or do, or what did his life reflect related to this topic? Now, some of you who might be new to Downtown Harbor Church, and you might be new or back in church after a long time, you might not know that much about the life of Jesus, and that's okay. That's why we talk about him here. But Jesus actually had a profession. As much as we believe he was the only human incarnation of God on the earth that ever walked the earth, he actually had a profession. He was a carpenter, and here's what I want you to know about that. Even Jesus worked hard. He was our prime example of what it looked like to work. He was a carpenter. And the most interesting thing about this, as I kind of dug apart some of the original language this week and the Greek and what word was used for carpenter, it's not necessarily how we would think about it today. It was a word that almost described him as being a Mr. Fix-It or going around and helping people with projects. He wasn't just making coffins out of wood, right? He was actually doing many different things, at least according to the original language. And Jesus, Jesus was our example for how we should live life, and he worked hard. Now, here's where it gets a little interesting. There's tension here. There's tension specifically in our culture related to laziness. There's tension related to people who maybe be they think they're entitled to something. There's tension there. And I'm not going to get into the political realm of all that because we don't do that here. But I want to rise to the surface and tell you guys that there is tension related to that issue. Because here's what it means. This doesn't mean people don't fall on hard times. 
It doesn't mean that there are people in culture and who you might know who have gone through something that's extremely emotional. Maybe they are now emotionally distraught. Maybe something happened to them and they have a physical disability. Maybe something happened in their family and their world was rocked. And for whatever reason, laziness kind of crept in in an appropriate way because they couldn't function at some level. It doesn't mean that people don't fall on hard times, but I want you to understand this because it's so important for us to get this about culture and laziness. There's a major difference between hard times and abusing the system. There is a massive difference when in your life and in people's lives that you know and in family members and friends that you know, there is a major difference in people's life if they fall on hard times and they are out there to abuse the system because eventually Eventually, the system will run out, and the scripture will actually come true for them. Poverty will enter into their lives. Now, I'm going to kind of put culture aside for a second. Now, I want to talk about us, and I want to talk about the church. I want to talk about laziness related to the church, because I've experienced a lot of it. I've experienced so much of it. And I have experienced it to an nth degree that we have to talk about it today. Because here's something that I've seen over and over again, and maybe you've seen it if you've been around churches or Christians or people who are involved in what we're doing. Maybe, maybe you've seen this. Here's what I want you to know. That many followers of the Jesus movement fall into inactivity. Many followers of the Jesus movement fall into inactivity. Now, I told you this was one of my favorite messages that I've ever prepared because this is about to get really deep. And it's about to get really kind of spiritual, and we're going to think about how we process stuff for a second, okay? This is where kind of the rubber meets the road. Check this out. We've been trained, Christians, people who are in churches have been trained as they make decisions to do a couple of different things, okay? People have been trained to seek for God's will. What does God want and we're to try to figure out how to get that into our lives and to make sure that our decisions that we make are kind of aligned with his will, okay? We've also been told to look for God's timing. Look for the timing of God. He's got a time for this. Go ahead and look for it, okay? And then lastly, God's plan. I have been taught my entire life to kind of make these decisions, especially related to big things in my life, spiritual things. And what I'm saying to you is, is we've been trained to do this. And, don't misunderstand this, you should do this. This is a good thing as you make decisions and you're seeking kind of after God to know this big creator of the universe more. You should look for his will, his timing, and his plan. But, but, so often related to decisions that people make. People have used this as a crutch not to act. They've used this as a crutch to not make the move that they know that they need to make. Let me tell you a little story. I have wanted to start Downtown Harbor Church for probably on the better side of 10 years. I really have. Ever since I was a young guy in the church, I really wanted to do something different to help change a city and a community. And I did all of this, but for a long time, this allowed me to wait and kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And I didn't make the decision like I thought 
that I needed to because I was using some of these things as a crutch not to act. These are good things. You should do those things, these things. But if this is just a crutch for you to not do what you know you need to do and God's leading you to in your life, then it becomes something that's in the way because you need to act. I remember one of my good friends said to me, she said, probably about 18 months ago as we were really thinking about doing this, she said, well, I have to ask you a question. Are you praying about this? Have you prayed about this? And I said, yes, I have. And she said, I think that you need to take some more time and pray about it longer just to make sure that it's the right thing to do. And I said, I appreciate that. Thank you for your statement, but I've already got the answer. I can't put it off any longer. I need to take a step and to do this. Here's something I want you to know. God isn't going to make decisions for you. God is not going to make decisions for you. You should seek his will, his timing, his plan for your life. And that's gray. That's not easy because you're kind of like seeking after the supreme being. And what does it look like in your life to seek after him? And Jesus, you're trying to be more like him. And we're trying to seek after all of this. But even though that's good and you should and you need to, God isn't going to make decisions for you. He's not. He cannot make a decision for you. You have to make those decisions yourself. Sometimes you've gotten an answer and you need to move. Sometimes you know what to do and it's time for you to move. Maybe, maybe you're in a relationship and it's time to get out of it. Maybe you're in a relationship and it's time for you to take it to the next level. Maybe you're in a relationship with a friend that is completely unhealthy, or maybe you need to reach out to someone, and you've been working on this in your heart, and you've been putting it off because I'm going to seek God's plan and his timing and his will. Those are good things, but it's time to move. It's time to do it. Maybe, maybe it's your job. Maybe you're thinking about a career move or a location change or something, and we don't want, any, we don't want you to leave, but maybe you're thinking about that, right? And it's time that for you to move. Maybe it's a home. Maybe you've thought about buying something. Maybe, and, and you just keep putting it off and putting it off and, and seeking and seeking and seeking. And now it's time to move because the phrase, God helps those that help themselves, is not in there. But there are a lot of scriptures that we can look at which would lead us to understand why someone could come to that conclusion, almost making it true. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to help yourself. I want you to help yourself. Because you are a person who's been gifted, and you are a person who can act, and you are a person who can move. Now, wait a second. Adam, are you saying that God, the all-powerful creator of the universe, if I don't, are you saying he can't do miraculous things? No, that's not what I'm saying. He can. But think about this. Think back to a couple of weeks ago, and if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago when John spoke on the parable of the talents, you can go online and listen to it. It's week four under our storytelling series. But that was a story about people who had been entrusted with something, and they had to use their own talents and abilities to make something of what they had. And when someone, the guy, was lazy and hid what he had, the owner came back and was mad at him because he didn't help himself. 
He didn't do anything with it. Here's one of the things that I believe. And you've heard me say this from time to time, and I believe it with all of my heart, that God controlled the creation of all things, but God does not control the actions of all things. You, as a person, have the ability to do something in your life to help yourself, but the abilities that you've been given have been given by God. So it's one big ball of gray, beautiful tension that you're trying to figure out as you figure out how to move forward in your life. Here's one of the things that I know. I know that at Downtown Harbor Church, we're trying to be a part of this beautiful movement called the Jesus Movement. This love your neighbor as yourself movement. This idea that we would love our community and our city so much that people would want to be a part of what we're doing and go, I don't know what those people have in that building, but I want it. And I want to be a part of it. Part of that is, I believe that in our lives, God wants us to thrive. I really believe that. I believe it with all my heart. That God, the creator of the universe, created us so that we would be able to thrive. And the way that we're going to thrive here in this life is to help ourselves. we got to put one foot in front of the other and move based on the abilities that he's given us. Here's what I want you to know. Don't be lazy. You won't thrive. Don't be lazy. You won't thrive. Now, this seems more like common sense than anything else, doesn't it? John sometimes will say to me when we're writing these messages and I'm bouncing content off, he'll go, boy, if that isn't a celebration of the obvious, I don't know what is. But this is so true. This is so important for us to get. God helps those who help themselves is not in there. But there's a lot of things that are in there that lead us to this conclusion. And I believe at the end of the day, Every fiber of my being, I believe this. I believe that God created human beings to thrive. And there's this weird tension in this world about, you know, um, excess and, and us having a good life as followers of the Jesus movement versus this idea that we should suffer. But I got to tell you something. My opinion is at the end of the day that God loves his creation and wants us to thrive in any way that we can. It's all through the scripture. It is in there. But it's so clear when it talks about laziness. Don't be lazy. Poverty will come to you. Don't be lazy. You won't thrive. And if you get that already, if that's something that you don't deal with, because many of us will deal with laziness in different ways. If that's something you don't deal with, good. But what happens for you when you have to make decisions? What happens for you that you need to do that is next for you? What do you need to go after? What do you need to step forward toward in your life? Only you know that. Seek God's will, God's time, and God's plan. Good. But maybe it's time to move. Maybe it's time to roll. Maybe it's time to take that step. Let me pray for us. God, Thanks so much for who you are and what you do. And I'm just so thankful that you, 
the ever-powerful creator of the universe have something so clear to say about what laziness looks like in our lives. And when we don't want to put one foot in front of the other, I just pray that you would help us, specifically related to those things that are in our lives that we need to do on behalf of you. And there are big decisions in our lives that we need to make. Whether it's work or relationships or home, whatever. Help us not to be lazy ourselves. Because laziness isn't just sitting on a couch all day. We want to thrive. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.